Today, we're gonna take a look at how important this is to Jesus, how much he loves us, and what we can do about it. So we're gonna be in, in 1 John chapter three as we continue to walk through the summer of these letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're also going to spend a little time in John chapter 13. You might wanna turn there because that's where we're gonna start. Loving one another sometimes can be pretty easy. Help you move next Saturday? It would be my pleasure. Until we get there and there's a piano and a hot tub and a Bowflex. Or, or you get there and they haven't packed anything. Not a diaper, nothing. Or, or they haven't packed anything and they haven't ordered the pizza yet. We helped this one we helped this one family in our last church move four times in a year and a half. We were so afraid they were gonna move a fifth time, we left the church. True story, had nothing to do with doctrine. And I'm pretty sure this is why Jesus told his disciples, sell everything, follow me. He didn't, he didn't want John to have to schlep Peter's big green egg from the Sea of Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. And I was there, I was there in December. It's uphill all the way. And you know when they got there, you know when they got there, somebody's wife would have been like, I'd like to see the couch in that upper room. I, good, you guys are good. We'll, we'll have some fun today. So Jesus knew how important this was. And he knew that there would be some challenges to it. So let's set the scene in John chapter 13. It's the Last Supper. It is, it is the Passover Seder. And he says to his disciples, where I'm gonna go, you can't go. He knows he's going to the cross. He is going to sacrifice his life for all of our sins, for the sins of the world. You can't go there, but here's what you can do. John chapter 13, verse 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I want you to get the impact of what is going on here. Jesus is saying, hey, where you're, where, where you're going, that, that's fine, but where I'm going, you, you can't go. I am going to die a horrific death by crucifixion, I'm, I'm going to be buried in a tomb, I'm gonna raise from the dead, I'm gonna walk around for 40 days, uh, I'm gonna ascend to heaven, I'm gonna sit next to the Father's right hand and rule over all things. You can't go there, but I'm giving you this one thing. This one thing. You know those memes that have been going around for a while where somebody's got a task and they, they don't do it right? And it's sort of like... Um, there's a, a right turn only sign and the arrow points to the left. Or I'll, I'll just do it for, for, for these people over here because they got it. Uh, or, or you go into a school zone and, and school is misspelled. What, what's that called? What's that meme called? You had, one job. you had one job. See, I knew you got it. You had one job 
And, and that's what Jesus is saying here. You had one job, and he's going to ask us, how did we do with that? How did we do with that one job? Well, I went to a lot of Bible studies. And he may respond, really? Because I saw you drive by a single mom with a flat tire on, on the way to that Bible study. Wow. Yeah. First Corinthians says we can have all the knowledge and all the prophetic powers, but if we don't have this one thing, if we don't have love, we've got nothing. We are a clanging symbol. We are Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. That's what we're going to sound like, and that's what we're going to look like to people who don't know Jesus if we don't have love. Jesus didn't say, they'll know that you love me by how many leather-bound books you have. One person saw the movie, good. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, they'll know that you love me because your apartment smells like rich mahogany. There's another reference from the movie just for you. What, what I'm saying is this, if we get this one thing, man, we've got everything. But if we don't get this one thing, we miss everything. Hashtag fail. So the title of today's message, and I have worked on this tirelessly, just this one point, just this title for weeks. Um, here it is. Love one another. Yeah, that's all I got. No alliteration. That's it. All right, you guys can go. Now, there's a couple other points here. Loving others is evidence. Check this out. Loving others is evidence that not only have we been loved, but that we understand how much we've been loved. Loving others is evidence of how much we've been loved, or, or not only have been loved, but evidence of how much we have been loved. In order to love one another, we've got to do some things. In order to love one another, we've got to get something and go somewhere. Get something and go somewhere. So if you're taking notes, write down get and go, because we're going to come back to that. Get and go. So let's start in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should, here it is again, love one another. And this word message is awesome. It's an announcement. In the Greek, angelia, it's, it's actually saying gospel. So we know where this is coming from. This is, this is from Jesus. We were there at the Last Supper. We were at the Passover Seder. We heard that. This message doesn't change. And that is one of the most comforting, awesome things about God. And I hope it comforts you as much as it does me. The unchangeable nature of God. The immutability of God. His love never changes. His love is steadfast forever. And that, that's what's going on here. Because of Jesus' love, that never changes, we don't have an option here. Pastor Jason says it all the time. You don't have to pray about loving your neighbor. Just go do it. For this is the message. And this love that he's talking about, oh, this sweet love, it's the agape love. It's that love that says, 
I am all in for you. I am gonna sacrifice everything for you and there's nothing in return for me and I expect nothing in return. That's Jesus's love for us. And it's different than the other two kinds of love, eros love, which is where we get the word erotic, which is a love based on needs, and phileo love, which is a love based on companionship. And that's where we get Philadelphia, uh, city of brotherly Super Bowl champions. Good, excellent, <laughs> excellent. I, I knew that would, that would get the Philly people. Um, now for clarity here, for clarity here, this loving others that John is talking about, it's primarily for believers in Jesus to love other believers in Jesus. So if you love Jesus and you're here today, you are to love people who are here today. But it is not exclusive to just that. It is not exclusive. It does not exclude believers in Jesus loving those who don't love Jesus. We're supposed to love each other here in the church. But it should not be a holy huddle. It shouldn't be just us. It's not Jesus' intent at all for us to just love those who love him. He wants us to love those who don't love him yet. Yet. And that's the appropriate word there. God loved us so much. He cared about us not only in this life, but also for all eternity. You know, you may have a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus and he loves people, but the difference is that a Christian is concerned about that guy's life and his next life. And his next life is not going to be all eternity with heaven if he doesn't love Jesus. Nice guys don't get to go to heaven. Dogs apparently do. Nice guys don't. There's, there, there's, no, there's no formula other than trusting in Jesus that gets us there. We're not compared to the nice guy who lives next door. We're not compared to the dictator who commits genocide. Scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and the penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death. We're compared to a holy, righteous, perfect, awesome, loving God who knew us before the foundation of the earth and made a way, and that's why, because there is a penalty for sin, he sent Jesus to pay that penalty. You know, for John, there's, there's no gray area in what he's writing. He says, love one another, and then verse 12, he says, but don't do it like this guy. Don't be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Story of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter four. Cain, not righteous, Abel, righteous. Cain doesn't like what he sees, kills his brother. John Piper said it's the first time anybody ever looked in the mirror, didn't like what he saw, and shot the mirror. John is saying, let's not be like that. And you may be thinking, I haven't killed anybody. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He compared our anger 
to murder. And what John is saying here is it's possible that this spirit of Cain, though we're not physically killing someone, we have what Jesus is talking about with our anger, spiritually, emotionally killing someone. And that spirit could be alive in our homes. What are we saying to our kids? What are we saying to our spouses? Could be alive in our workplace. Could be alive in our schools. Could be alive right here at church. Is there gossip? Is there envy? Is there jealousy? We should be more concerned with the gospel than the gossip. There are, there are things that John is telling us here to say, hey, here's how much Jesus loved you. You, you gotta love people. You gotta do this. He uses this word murder. It's a Greek word, and, and it's, it's a pretty harsh word. It's sfazdo. And, and what it means is to kill somebody by cutting their throat, to butcher them, to slaughter them. And when we're doing that in the church, what does that look like to people that don't know Jesus, that people look at Christians in the church or online and they see us slaughtering each other, gossiping about each other? That doesn't sound like a very loving thing or a very attractive thing. This is Jesus's bride. When we complain or gossip about Jesus's bride, that's what we're doing. Verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Okay. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, dwells in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, which could be translated, duh. Of course, of course the world hates us. So let's not be surprised when people start boycotting the restaurants we like. Let's not be surprised when they start boycotting the stores that, that we like to go to. But, but let's not boycott them. Let's not, let's not post rants online. I can't believe that they didn't wish me a Merry Christmas. That's not a very loving thing. Or, or, or you're posting something like, I'm gonna eat my waffle fries because I'm a Christian. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's arrogant. Eat your waffle fries because they're delicious. <laughs> when we start acting like that, we lose our influence. And when we're not loving people, the way we should be loving in light of how much we've been loved, we're not gonna be able to care for them, love them, or tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus loved those he disagreed with to the point of death. He said, here's how much I love you, even though I don't agree with you, I'm going to die for you. God says in Philippians 2, 3, he says this about loving people we disagree with. And it's, it's one of those moments in scripture that God says, hey, do 
nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than ourselves. He's saying, don't do this to agree with somebody necessarily, but to value them. And I think in today's world, we do, we do a lot of, of tearing down of people, but we're not doing a lot of valuing of people. Let's not throw them away. Let's throw them a party. <laughs> Bob Goff is a pastor and an author. He wrote some awesome books uh, about love, Everybody Always and Love Does. He said, when we burn down other people's opinions, we're not making ourselves right. We're making ourselves arsonists. And now, now that John has laid this out, he gets to this, verse 16. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now we're talking, now we're talking about instead of tearing somebody's life apart with our words or manipulations, we have the opportunity to give somebody life. Now, we may never have an opportunity to physically die for someone, but what, what is going on here is we've got tons of opportunities to give life to someone. And it's easy to say, I will love people unless they voted for the other guy. Let's not be like that. And this is how he gets into how we love others. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is where, this is where we get love as an action. So how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna apply this? So if you wrote down get and go, we're gonna go back to that. And we're going to get busy with that. We got to get something and we have to go somewhere. And the first thing we have to get is margin. It's tough to love much when we don't have much margin. That is a point. It is tough to love much when we don't have much margin. Margin with our money, margin with our minutes, and margin with our minds. There's the alliteration. Margin with our money. If there's more going out than is coming in, we are gonna have a tougher time being generous spontaneously, locally, globally, and sacrificially. That is just a fact. A few years ago, my wife and I got together and we said, all right, how are we going to live a generous life? And we came up with this. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Um, you may wanna write it down. Live below our means. Take that, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Live below our means. So it may look something different to everybody in the room. Uh, for us, it means driving really old cars, a lot of miles, downsizing our house, staycations. I, I don't know what it looks like for you, but it played out in real life real quick. A few months later, we were helping somebody move, and they had a lot of stuff, no piano or a blowflex. Um, we were helping somebody move, and, and she had five kids, single mom. 
And on one of the trips, I noticed there were, there, the tires were completely bald. Tires were completely bald. So we snuck into a tire store, got tires in the car, never told the lady. She probably never noticed. She's got five kids. <laughs> and, and it's not to say, oh, look what we did. It's saying we built margin into our lives so we could do things like that. My, my wife is a great example of spontaneous giving. I have seen her on, I don't know how many occasions, somebody come up to her, a stranger, and say, I love those earrings. And she goes, here, take them, they're yours. She does it with necklaces, scarves. I stopped buying her stuff. because <laughs> she, she was giving it all away. But what a great example. And building margin with our money, that might mean getting a couple extra backpacks today to give to kids. We have a 1,000 backpacks. Let me tell you something. There will be 1,800 adults in this room between all the services today. We shouldn't have any backpacks at the end of the day. Got one amen. You're gonna have to carry a lot of backpacks. (laughs) (laughs) Generosity is all over scripture, all over scripture. Jesus says, you know, when you... When you saw me and I was hungry, you fed me. And, and when, when I was thirsty, you, you gave me something to drink. And when I was a stranger, you, you invited me in. And he says, if we don't do things like that, do we really understand how much we're loved? Look at it this way. Guy falls in a hole. There's three Christians. First Christian looks down. Hey, you're in a hole. I'll pray for you. Second Christian, hey, you're in a hole, throws down a tract. Third Christian says, hey, you're down the hole, jumps down in the hole with the guy. Our guy says, wow, you're crazy. Now we're both down here. Christian says, yeah, but I've been down here before. I know the way out. Which do you identify with? Margin with our money Now there's margin with our minutes. (laughs) If we don't have margin with our time, we are going to miss out on God's providential opportunities for us not only to love others, but for others to love us. We're so busy with our schedules, running from here, running to there. We're usually late for all of them, am I right? We've gotta start considering our appointments and the places we have to be. Because if, if it's Sunday morning and you're rushing to get here and you missed that last song, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was powerful. And, and if you're rushing to get to your seat and fixing your coffee and trying to decide which of the seven sweeteners you're gonna put in your coffee, do you know we have seven sweeteners for coffee? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it just is. We're gonna miss out because we don't have any margin to see the person sitting next to us who might be hurting. Again, my wife and I, we consider things like this, like margin with our time. So we get together with our calendars, we look over our schedules, we don't make appointments or commitments for each other. We don't make commitments singularly without considering the other person. Now, I have a a privilege of working three jobs, and one of the jobs takes me out of town 15 to 20 times a year, uh, and 
you know, it's a cool gig. It's, it's hosting the, the Clemson football pregame show. And, and I get to go on the field. And we won the national championship. And I got a ring. And we beat Alabama. It doesn't get better than that. 35-31. Um, and, and what I want you to hear is, hey, there, there are seasons in our lives where we've got to work extra jobs. That's not what I'm saying. But I realized when I was saying yes to that, I was saying no to something or someone. And quite often it was my wife. And she was getting crumbs. Sometimes we have to say no to a good thing to say yes to a right thing. So I'll ask, what is it that is distracting you from having margin with your minutes? What's important to you? If getting to know your neighbors is important to you, being away every weekend probably isn't going to work. So from August to January, I was away every weekend. I want to know my neighbors. I want to love my neighbors. We prayed about that, and we cried over it, and we sought wise counsel, and two weeks ago, it was clear that God said, it is time to give that up, and when God said that, it was clear to us, it was done, so we stepped away from that, so we could say yes to the right things. We got to have margin in our minds if we're constantly thinking about all the things we have going on, we're not gonna have time to see what's going on around us. We've all experienced that at the supermarket. We've got an agenda, we've got a list, we've got things going on, and we leave and we go, oh yeah, there was that lady with the three screaming babies and all she was trying to do was buy formula and diapers and she was trying to find change, but I had my next place to go, so I wasn't thinking about her. We have to have margin in our minds to see what God's doing in the moment. A year ago in Jasper, we planted the first campus of Revolution Church outside of Canton. And we meet at Pickens High School. And we're building a building on Main Street. I don't know if you noticed this, but between October and April, it rained every day. <laughs> every single day. And we're, we're praying, Lord, just stop the rain for a couple of days so the guys can get this building built. One of the things we do on Sunday mornings is we go into the bathrooms at Pickens High School. It's a high school. There might be some words written on the walls. We go in there with a magic eraser. We scrub the walls. No big deal. So I was up there. What a privilege to be there for the first year of the launch of that campus. And I open up the stall door in March and staring at me, is a two-foot-by-two-foot swastika. You should be aghast, yes. But imagine what I'm thinking. Born and raised Jewish. Love my people. And I'm staring at the symbol of the systematic execution of six million of my people. 
and I begin to scrub the wall as I'm weeping. And I don't know if you've ever used a magic eraser, but you have to get the magic eraser in water. You have to soak it, and then you have to wring it out, and then the stuff comes right off the wall. Well, this was not coming off the wall. There were some other anti-Semitic rants on the wall. And the harder I pressed on this magic eraser, the more moisture was coming out of the sponge. And it began to drip down the wall. And now the wall was weeping and I was weeping. And that's when the Holy Spirit broke in and said, you're worried about when the building's gonna be built? How about when I say it's gonna be built? I've got Revolution Church and you in particular here at Pickens High School to love these students, to love these teachers, to pray over this building. And because of Christ in you, David, you can love the young man that did this. It all happened in a moment. Sometimes it's uncomfortable when we have the margin to listen to what God is saying to us. But in that uncomfortableness, in those moments, that is when, that is when God is so glorious and so loving to us because we grow in those moments of uncomfortableness and we grow when we are loving people that we disagree with or even hate. So we've got to get those things. And we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to meet some people's needs. Jesus met everybody's need. He fed them. He healed them. He loved them. We've got to meet those needs just like he did. He was on the cross in his worst moment. You know, we have too much on our schedule to meet people's needs. In his worst moment, dying on the cross for our sins, he met the need of his mom and John, his friend, introduced them to each other. We gotta get out of our comfort zone. And that might mean joining a group, being vulnerable, join a group, join a team, serve here at Revolution Church. What an awesome byproduct of being connected to other people that God has called you to be connected to is that you'll be known. If something is going on in your life, people will know it. If something's going on in somebody's life in your group or on your team, you'll know it. It happened a couple of weeks ago. One of our team leaders got sick, had to go to the hospital within a half hour. Everybody in her group knew, everybody on her team knew, the church staff knew, we were on the phone praying for her. People in her group went and stayed with her overnight because she was vulnerable enough to be known and get out of her comfort zone. That's why we have prayer teams. That's why we've put these communion areas on either side here in Canton and in the back of the room in Jasper. Our prayer team is around before and after services. It's okay to allow yourself to be loved. It's not just for us to love others. Those are some of the gets. But the number one get we got to get close to Jesus. That's how John went from son of thunder to apostle of John, apostle of love, rather. 
He got close to Jesus. He spent time with Jesus, and we can do that with this. God invites us into relationship with him. He says, seek to know me. And and this isn't optional. This book isn't optional. It's not just for the rabbis or the priests or the pastors. It's for us to spend time with Jesus, to soak in the fact that his love is so powerful and unconditional that nothing compares to it. And when was the last time you just sat in silence and recognized how much you're loved? Maybe it was right there in those three seconds. Those are the gets. Here's a couple of goes. We gotta go out of our way. We gotta go out of our way. The Good Samaritan story, I hadn't heard this until last week when a friend reminded me The Levite and the priest that didn't help the guy who was in need, they went out of their way to avoid him. But the Good Samaritan also went out of his way. The Good Samaritan went out of his way. He he was on a journey, the Bible says. He, He was hiking the AT. He was on his way to Panama City Beach, spring break, woo! And he, and he, and he stopped. And he got down and he bandaged the wounds of the person in need and then he fed him and he, he put him on his donkey and he took him to an inn. We gotta go out of our way and we have to go on mission. There's another go. We have to go on mission. Adopt a single mom. Adopt a, a widow in, in your neighborhood and help around the house. Maybe adopt a foster care family through our foster care ministry to take some of the burden off of that foster care family. It may not be the right season to to be a foster parent, but it's always the right season to help somebody who is. We gotta look for the needs so we can meet the needs. And we have to go now. Time's a-wasting. Nobody told me about Jesus. I say this often. Nobody told me until I was 45. I don't want to waste any time. I'll be 57 in a couple of months. Time is a wasting. And Bob Goff said this, there is no school on how to love your neighbor, just the house next door. And I will add just the person next to you right now. If we are, if we are so focused on getting here and getting our seats and sitting where we want to sit and away from people, we're missing out on what God wants to do. Now, let me me let you in on a little secret here. The person next to you might not be okay. Guess what? You're next to them. What does that mean? You're quicker than they are. It might mean you're not okay. And guess what? I'm not okay, and that's okay. But what is not okay is not being okay with somebody who's not okay. Okay? (laughs) Scripture says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, let us not stop meeting together as is the habit of some. That together is with each other. God has put you in this church today for a reason. He put you in a neighborhood. He put your kids on a sports team to love those 
parents that you're with eight hours a day on a Saturday. This isn't a movie theater. We're not going to the Avalon, kicking our feet up, getting popcorn, watching a movie and leaving. And, and when we do that, if we do it here, we're, we're missing the point of God's people getting together. He created us for relationship and told us to love those we are in relationship with. So let me ask you a question. Are we living a loving life? If our church or you disappeared tomorrow, would your community or neighborhood know it? I believe that if Revolution Church disappeared tomorrow, Canton would know it. Jasper would know it. Woodstock would know it. Northwest Kenya would know it because there was an intentional pursuit to put us in places where we could seek the welfare of the cities to which we were sent. So is there an intentional pursuit for you to seek the welfare of your next door neighbor or the person in the cubicle next to you or the kids on your kid's sports team? or the people that are around you at church today. The way we love is evidence that we are followers of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was declared guilty though he never sinned. Declared guilty for our sins. Why? Because he loves us. And do you know the extent of God's love for you? When you really get what he has done for you, and I got this on September 26, 2006, when, he, when you really get what he has done for you and how crazy he is about you and how he never changes and his love for us is steadfast forever. Our natural response is to wanna to go tell people and love them. That should be our natural response. What did Jesus do in chapter 13 at the Last Supper? Knowing he was gonna be crucified, knowing he's gonna be betrayed, knowing that He'll be denied three times. He washed his disciples' feet. So ask yourself this question. Do you have margin in your life to wash someone's feet? Maybe you have margin. But maybe you haven't washed someone's feet because you haven't seen what Jesus did for you. Let's pray. Listen. Listen for what God is saying. Jesus didn't just say, I'll be praying for you. He didn't just say, if you do this for me, I'll love you. He didn't say those things. He said, I'll die for you. And he died for our sins that have a penalty. Somebody had to pay the sin 
Somebody had to pay the sin. Father, thank you that it wasn't us. Thank you, Lord, that the penalty for sin was paid for by Jesus. Father, I know, I know there might be someone saying, well, that's, that's nice work, but I've got my own God and my own God is fill in the blank. I get that. That was me. My fill in the blank was David. My fill in the blank was me. But let me ask you, did your fill in the blank die for you, substitute his life for you? Is your fill in the blank sitting at God's right hand right now, reigning and ruling over all things? Is your fill in the blank coming back? Jesus was our substitution. I also understand if you're waiting. I also understand if you're waiting, saying, I'm not ready yet. I get that. I thought I was in control. I didn't want to give up something. Well, let me tell you, if you trust in Jesus today, you're not giving up anything. You're getting everything. So whatever you're believing, whatever lie it is, Maybe you think you gotta get cleaned up. Well, you don't. None of us are cleaned up. You don't have to get cleaned up to come to church or trust in Jesus. His blood's gonna cleanse us. And it may look like you're surrounded, but you are surrounded by a God who loves you. So you can trust in him right now, just like I did. I trusted in Jesus over the phone. You can do it at a church. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm so tired of trying to be my own Lord. I'm ready to give it up. You can say this to yourself. I'm ready to give it up. I am, I am ready to follow you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you cleanse me? Will you be my Lord and Savior? Will you break my chains? Will you free me from the bondage that I am in that I might have life eternal with you? If you said that, guess what? This is the greatest day of your life, September. <laughs> that was my day. June 24th, 2018. So I want you to do something, and we say this every week, but I don't want this to be a half-hearted, hey, you know, maybe my hand will go up to my waist. This is a Super Bowl champion moment in your life. So if you trusted in Jesus, raise your hand as high as it can go. As high as it can Keep it up so our prayer team can come around. Thank you. So our prayer team can come around with a sweet Bible for you. Get to know them. Talk to them. Talk to people around you when you leave today and say, I trusted in Jesus. This was my day. Because we need other people to help us walk with Jesus.
Now, for those who have already trusted in Jesus, what, what struck home today? I'll, I'll tell you, writing this message today, there were a lot of things that struck home. There were a lot of things that I had to take a hard look at. Are you loving others like Jesus loved others? Am I sacrificing for others? Is the way I love evidence that I understand how much I've been loved? Do I have margin with our money and, and minutes and in my mind to see and love others? I want to pray for you too. Father, this is an incredible opportunity that you give us and it is not a coincidence that any of us are here today. You have ordained each person to be in these seats today. So give us margin to look around and see somebody that might be hurting. Give us margin to see somebody who's hungry and feed them. Give us margin to see somebody who's thirsty and give them something to drink. Give us margin to see somebody who's a stranger and invite them in as our natural response to how much we've been loved by you. We thank you and we praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.